Good morning, everyone. I uh, meant to work on my message yesterday, but it was so exciting I couldn't go back up to my room. As I listened to the reports, and as I listened all the way till last night, and I thought it's just going to calm down in the evening, and uh, it just was amazing. It was like an extensive surgery yesterday, wasn't it? Uh, what would they call it? A re-anastomosis of the brachial plexus was occurring. And it was a complicated surgery, <clears throat> but it, uh, it appears to uh, uh, have been at least partially completed, and we have to do everything we can to make sure that no infection sets in and postoperatively we uh, do what needs to be done. Right? Well, maybe some rehab. PT. Um, I just need to pray again here this morning. And, uh, you know, this podium is very developmentally challenged. But let's just pray together and ask the Lord to be with us. Father in heaven, today we come again on this last day of this conference. And I, again, feel totally inadequate, and I thank you for that feeling. I thank you for that uh, assurance you give me that it is not by my might or by my power, but by your Spirit. I'm thankful each time I'm reminded of that. That it is only your righteous hand that can uphold me and each of us. And today we want to consider to reprove what you've given. Holy Scriptures are profitable for doctrine, for correction for reproof and today we want to again look at your word to reprove it and draw life from the tree of life pray for each person here bless us as we look at your word this morning and we come in Christ's name amen the right arm <coughs> excuse me Revisited was our first topic. And we saw in that first time together that the right arm is God's arm of creation, memorialized in the commandment in Exodus. And our, we also recognized it, it is his arm of redemption, memorialized in the commandment in Deuteronomy. In our second time together, we recognized that God wants to re resurrect that arm. And he loves to resurrect things on the Sabbath. And the man that he healed in Mark chapter 3 is also the same man in Luke chapter 6, verse 6. He healed that right hand on the Sabbath. And that man's ability was resurrected. And he was reconnected. 
And I believe yesterday the Lord did some resurrection work here. I believe that he worked through many different people. And I believe that your prayers and the prayers of others moved the arm of faith yesterday. And moved your arms too as you put in those pledges at the 11 o'clock hour and then gave your names in the evening. He moved your arm. But it's really his arm if we're surrendered to him. So today I want to talk about the third aspect. The right arm totally reconnected. Totally reconnected. We had a start yesterday. Um, I suggested yesterday something quite provocative. That the right arm could receive a mark. And some of you came to me very convicted about that. I heard some amazing stories. I heard how some of your ministries actually started because of the fact that you dedicated all of your Sabbath money to the Lord. I heard you tell me those stories. And uh, I, I recognized that that message is a message for this time. The right arm reconnected now. The right arm, we learned, had been severely damaged in the beginning. Eve had taken the fruit. We showed you how that was her right hand that took the fruit. And how God tried to damage and still tries to damage the right arm. I mean, the devil tries to damage the right arm. And he tries to take it over. And in Genesis chapter 3, we see God's first farewell sermon. He never wanted to preach a farewell sermon this early. But there he had to preach a farewell sermon. Because Eve had taken that fruit and then handed it to Adam. And uh, sin was spreading. And there in Genesis Chapter 3. We find that they separated themselves from the Lord. They hid from Him. There was a a, a separation. That right arm that had reached out and was caused a separation then led to the actual separation where they were hiding and God had to come after them. But He had to put some limits in place. Verse 22, the Lord God said, Behold, man has become like one of us to know good and evil, and now, lest he put out his, 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 what do you suppose, hand? His hand. His right hand. And perhaps, we know it was the one they used to sin. He, he put out his hand and, and take also of the tree of life and eat and live what? Therefore, the Lord God sent him out 
of the Garden of Eden. A severing. To till the ground from which he was taken, he drove out the man. The word drove out. That word drove is the word for divorce in the Bible. I hate Gares. Drove out. A separation. How many of you have ever known someone that has experienced a divorce? I can't think of something worse. It's worse than death. It's worse than death. Drove out the man. And he placed cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden. And these cherubim were to guard with a flaming sword which turned every way the way to the tree of life. One angel, one angel in might and power could take out a lot of people. And in those cherubim, beam is plural, was a flaming sword. My little nephew collects swords and knives. Uh, these things uh, terrify me. I don't know, I have something in my mind that maybe malfunctions, but when I see a sharp instrument, I always begin to think what that could do to me. Do you ever have this problem? And I went into his room and I see this thing and I go, oh man. <laughs> and I think, man, that could cut my finger off. You know, you're thinking about that. The severing that, that, that could happen once I was over in Scotland on, on, on my honeymoon. And uh, usually only do that once, praise God, right? And you, I was over there and I was in the, this, uh, I don't remember the name of it, but it was right off uh, that street. That goes up to the castle. <laughs> oh, man. The Royal Mile, I think it's called. And I was in this uh, place, and it had all of these swords and all of these different things there, and they were all on the wall, and I just kept thinking, what if they fall off? <laughs> you know? So there was this sword there that was turning every way. To guard the way of the tree of life. Doesn't that sound terrible? The tree of life, you can't get to it. That's where we live, folks. That's where we live. You know, it's interesting to me at a medical conference, I've not been to too many. I may not be invited back after what I'm about to say. But I listen to doctors talk to each other and dentists, and they tell me that the Lord is blessing their practice. You know what that means to me? There are all kinds of sick people coming to them. What causes sickness? Sin. I think we should be careful about how we talk about that. The only reason we should say the Lord is blessing our practice is not because of the finances that come in, but because of the salvation that goes out. 
When we say the Lord is blessing my practice, it should never mean numerically, financially. It should always mean numerically, salvation-wise. Because what is the reason you have a medical practice? Because there's sin. Are you going to invite me back? <laughs> I could just stop now. <laughs> what a terrible thing, a farewell sermon. You know, I'm preaching a series of farewell sermons at my church. I've been there 13 years and I'm leaving. Next week will be my last week there. And it's very hard for me to leave that church. And, uh, the tears that I have over that are nothing compared to the tears of Christ when he had to preach this farewell sermon. They're nothing compared to that. But I can get a little glimpse when I see a mother. I remember working in the emergency department one day. and She had gone out of the room and her two-year-old had pulled a dresser over on himself and he died from the injuries and the mother cried and cried and I cried and we all cried because of the separation you know do you cry in your practice are you so detached that you don't cry anymore or do you still cry? My mother was used by God to save my life. And the reason it was, was because she was moving the arm of faith through prayer. And when I called her ready to commit suicide, she was praying for me. And she was crying. Do you cry in your practice? You say, well, if I did that, I'd have no energy left over. That means you're not connected to God like you should be. My mother works in a nursing home still. And you know what she does? She'll call me up and she'll say, Donnie, Mrs. Jones died today. I said, well, who's Mrs. Jones? She was in our nursing home for the last seven years. And she'll tell me about it. And she'll just cry. And she cries, and she cries, and she cries. And she is a very happy person. She's a happy person. My, my mother's happy. But those tears are healing. I believe, I believe God cried at this time. This was his farewell sermon. But I have good news, brothers and sisters. Here's another way to look at this farewell sermon. We can turn it upside down now. Want to do it with me? And I believe that God wants us to see in this passage His divine plan of reconnection. Go with me back again to the passage now. Let's look at it again. My Bible says in verse 24, that He drove out the man. And he placed cherubim 
at the east of the Garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Why? Lest man should reach out his hand. There's another way to look at this text. And I want to tell you that it has everything to do with the reconnected, resurrected, non-neglected right arm of the gospel. Because my Bible tells me that that same picture of angels coming from the east will be repeated again. And these cherubim that come like lightning from the east to the west will come when Jesus comes again. I'm going to be thankful for the Jesus that's coming from the east with all of his angels. Is this good news? Cherubim coming from the east. As far as the east is from the west, so are our sins when we confess. They're taken away and put to rest and we come back into relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you thankful for the ministry of angels? Are you thankful for the three angels' messages? Listen to this. The minds, oh, wrong one. Go down here. I might have to bend down here a little bit. We need to understand better than we do the mission of angels. It would be well to remember that every true child of God has the cooperation of heavenly beings. Invisible armies of light and power attend the meek and lowly ones who believe and claim the promises of God. The other day I heard a doctor up here saying, I memorized all this scripture and the Lord helps me, brings it to mind when I'm with my patients. That brings the angels. When you memorize scripture, when you quote it to your patients, that brings angels. They don't even have to know the text. You just say the text and an angel comes from the east. Invisible Armies of light. This is aggressive warfare. Uh, the, this, is, this is bringing salvation into the practice. Notice what it says. Cherubim. Continuing. Acts of the Apostles, page 154. Cherubim and seraphim and angels that excel in strength stand at God's right hand. Can you say hallelujah to that? And as the right hand is resurrected, those angels come... And they make your ministry effective. Cherubim and seraphim that excel in strength stand at God's right hand. All ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who shall be heirs of salvation. Oh, my friends, isn't this a wonderful picture that where sin abounded, grace so much more will abound. Oh, my friends, I could just get excited if you give me time. So cherubim from the east of the Garden of Eden, that was at first a bad picture, but now we see it can be a good picture. Notice next, the next phrase. And a flaming sword which turned every way. I mean, look, I'm afraid of swords. But there's a different picture. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 tells us that the Word of God is like a Two-edged sword that divides every which way. It is like the surgeon's knife. The divine surgeon who comes and does the surgery. He cuts and wounds not so that he can kill, but so he can bind up and reheal. Hallelujah. 
I'm thankful for surgeons here today that understand what the mighty surgeon really wants to do. Notice another statement, this from Testimonies, Volume 6, page 327. By the way, that whole chapter, Testimonies, Volume 6, page 327, is aggressive warfare described. It is constant, nonstop activity of the right arm. And it will happen before Jesus comes again. I'll read that to you in a minute. When the third angel's message is received in its fullness, health reform will be given the place in the councils of the conference, in the work of the church, in the home, and at the table, and in all household arrangements. Let's turn it around. It starts in your house. It goes to your table. It pervades your home. It then goes to your church. It then goes to the conference. It then goes to the general conference. And it goes around the world. Notice what it says, though. Then... When? When this happens. Then the right arm will serve and protect the body. Does the church need protection today? Where is it looking? It's looking to you as the medical professional that says, look, we need the right arm to serve and protect the body. Review and Herald, June 20, 1899, paragraph 10. As the right arm is connected with the body, so the health reform and medical missionary work is connected with the third angel's message and is to work efficiently as the right arm for the defense of the body of truth. Ooh, that sword comes out. They are scary to the forces of evil. It's aggressive warfare. They say, how can we fight with the Seventh-day Adventists? Look at their health message. Look at how God is blessing them. Look at how the angels are there. we got to give up. Hallelujah. Oh, man. Again and again. Now listen to this. Last night I listened to the message. I'd heard almost all those stories before. And I said, why am I still feeling convicted? They're the same stories. But the Holy Spirit's here. Amen? Listen to this one. This is why I was feeling convicted. Testimonies, Volume 6. i got to hold on to the podium for this one. Page 288, again and again, I have been instructed that the medical missionary work is to bear the same relation to the work of the third angel's message that the arm and the hand bear to the body. Under the direction of the divine headship, they are, divine head rather, they are to work unitedly in preparing the way for the coming of Christ. What's supposed to happen? The right arm and the head work together. The church, the medical arm... The spiritual arm worked together. Wasn't it beautiful to see doctors and ministers in teams? Wasn't that beautiful? That's what's happening. Coming together. Wasn't it wonderful to have two of our general conference vice presidents here? Can you say hallelujah to that? Now listen. Here it goes on. They're to work united in preparing the way for the coming of Christ. The right arm of the body of truth. Listen is to be, this is going to sound familiar, constantly active, constantly at work, and God will strengthen it. Last night we heard something about not just one day a week having a television program, but 24-7. That sounds to me like constantly. <laughs> Hallelujah. But it is constantly in another way that's probably even more effective than television ministry. 
That is in each one of your practices and all of the medical practices and all the lives of people around the globe. When one goes to sleep, another stays up. And as, as it goes, as lightning from the east to the west, it goes around the world. And it is incarnational one-on-one ministry. You can have all the television ministry you want, but it ultimately comes down to one-on-one ministry. When people see 3ABN, when they see whatever the ABN is that they're watching... They are drawn. People have showed up at my church and said, where is that program we keep hearing about? You better be ready. Right? Constantly. Now listen how he goes on. I know that some people are going to like this. The right arm of the body is to be constantly, actively at work, and God will strengthen it. But it is not to be made the body. At the same time, the body is not to say to the arm, I have no need of thee. The body has need of the arm in order to do aggressive work. In other words, aggressive warfare. Both have their appointed work, and each will suffer great loss if worked independently of the other. Let me tell you that the Adventist church does not need a health channel that does not have spiritual content in it. Every program needs to let people know that this is different. The defining difference of the Adventist church is the Holy Spirit in its health care. Ellen White was shown two pictures in early writings page in the 50s. And these two pictures, 55 I think, look it up. There were two, I'll look it up for you. There were these two pictures. Two pictures here. And, 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 this, and, and this is such an important point. Before the throne. Early writings, page 55. I saw the Advent people, the church, and the world. I saw two companies. One bowed down before the throne, deeply interested, while the other stood uninterested and um, careless. Uninterested in what? Indifferent, not crying, not caring about the patients, not really caring. I saw Father rise from the throne in a flaming chariot, go into the Holy of Holies within the veil and sit down. Then Jesus rose up from the throne, and the most of those who were bound out rose with him. I did not see one ray of light pass from Jesus to the careless multitude. They don't get the flaming sword. The careless don't get that. And they were left in perfect darkness. Those who arose when Jesus did kept their eyes fixed on him. And as he left the throne and led them a little way, then he raised his... Right arm! (laughs) And we heard his lovely voice saying, Wait here, I'm going to my father to receive the kingdom. Keep your garments spotless, and in a little while I'll return from the wedding and receive you to myself. So there's these two groups. Those that follow him by faith into the holiest of holies. Notice how it talks about it. A cloudy chariot with... Wheels of flaming fire surrounded by angels came to where Jesus was. He stepped into the chariot and was born to the holiest where the Father sat. Right at the right hand of the Father, by the way. There I beheld Jesus, a great high priest, standing before the Father. And on the hem of his garment was a bell and a pomegranate. And those who rose with Jesus would send up their faith to him in the holiest and pray, My Father, give us thy spirit. And then Jesus would breathe upon them the Holy Spirit. John chapter 20, an allusion to that. Do we need the Holy Spirit in our practices? Is the heavenly sanctuary doctrine important? Do we need to know where Jesus is? 
Do we need, do we not need to, to grasp that faith? It is the difference between medical work done by the world and medical work done by the Seventh-day Adventists. The heavenly sanctuary. The most holy. Notice what it says. Those who rose with Jesus would send their, up, their, up their faith to him in the holiest. Righteousness by what? They would send up their faith. Whose faith was it? The faith of Jesus. They're giving it back. They'd send it to him in the holiest and pray, My Father, give us thy spirit. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, faithfulness. So he gives them obedience and resolve. My Father, give us thy spirit. Then Jesus would breathe on the Holy Spirit. And in that breath, notice, here's the phrase, There was light. Light, power, and much, listen, love, joy, and peace. What happened to the other group? I turned to look at the company who were still bowed before the throne. They did not know that Jesus had left it. They're right there in the holy place. Sounds good. They're in the church. They've got a spiritual walk. They're there, but they haven't followed Jesus into the most holy place. What is the only church that's followed him there? Hello? What is the church that claims to have followed him there? Well, others, I guess, claim that he went there right at the cross, but the timing is important, isn't it? What happens to that group? They turn to look at the company who were bowed before the throne. They did not know Jesus had left it. Satan appeared to be by the throne trying to carry on the work of God. I saw them look up to the throne and pray. Had the same prayer that the others had. Father, give us thy spirit. Satan then would breathe upon them an unholy influence. And in it there was light and much power. Look at this. There's light and power in the medical practice around you. You see those in the secular world and they have light and they have power. But the defining difference between these two groups is this. Notice what it says next. They had light and much power. But no sweet love, joy, and peace. What's the difference with your medical practice and the one down the street? It is to be what? A medical practice, a dental practice that is for, informed by the Christ of the heavenly sanctuary. The Holy Spirit comes in and you have love. If you love me, keep my commandments. You have joy. And at thy right hand is joy and pleasures forevermore. And that's, by the way, where the ark is. And peace, great peace have they which love thy lot. Nothing shall offend them. You see the defining difference. What spirit do you have in your practice? What spirit do you want? When you, the right arm is fully connected, your office will be filled with love, joy, peace, light, and power. How many of you want that? Oh, man. Oh, can you see how exciting this text is? It says here, He drove out man. He placed cherubim at the east of Eden. And a flaming sword. First it was terrifying, but now it is gripping. We want that flaming sword. How many of you want the flaming sword that turns every which way? Oh, powerful. How much time do I have here? Uh, Help me out, somebody. <clears throat> Good. Let's go on. 
cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden. Angels coming with lightning from the east to the west with a flaming sword. This is God's word turning every bit's way. Let me go back up here. I don't want to miss any of these little gems I pulled out for you. I didn't trust PowerPoint today. Not by ma- you know, someone told me yesterday it's not by might nor PowerPoint. <laughs> So there's the defense of the body of truth. It's constant. It's aggressive. Now notice the next thing. Notice the next thing. He placed cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden and a flaming sword was turned every way to guard the way. Guard. It doesn't sound so good, you know. A guard. But that word is translated in chapter 2 when Adam is taking care of the garden. It means the word shamar, and it means literally to keep. Isn't this a new flavor on it? It's not to guard as if to cape out, but it's to keep. When the patient comes in and they've had that terrible burn and it's all over their body and you know that all of that fluid is coming into the system and it's going to cut off their breathing and you do the fasciotomies and you get them breathing again but you have to first of all watch for the ABC, the airway and you intubate them because you want to keep the way of life open and you count the bags of water that are put in because that water will have to be taken out And you're doing everything. You're watching the eyes and nose. You're watching everything for the patient because they're in intensive care and you want to keep the way to the tree of life open. Can you say hallelujah to that? What you do in your practice, what you do in your ministry, is what you you do is you guard people. You keep the possibility open. You give them hope that they may be able to live a few more days. And you hope that as they live those few more days, they'll give glory to the God of heaven and they will live eternally. You are not saving their life forever. God can, but He can use you to give them a little more time so they can have a lot more time. That's my function. That's your function. Isn't that right? To guard the way. Let's look at the way for a minute. What does John 14, 6 say the way is? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. The way to guard the way is to point people to who? To Jesus. And notice this text. Oh, when I found it, I was so happy. Psalm 80. If you didn't bring your Bible, you can come up and look with me. Psalm 80, or the person next to you. Uh, I know you thought my PowerPoint was going to be up. Oh, this is powerful. Notice what it says. Return, I beseech thee, verse 14. O Lord, O God of hosts, look down from heaven and see and visit this vine, then the vineyard which your right hand has planted... And the branch which you have made strong for yourself, who is the branch? Jesus. And we can be branches as well. It is burned with fire. It is cut down. There is the withering. They perish at the rebuke of thy countenance. Let 
Your hand be upon the man of your right hand, upon the Son of Man, who you made strong for yourself. Who is the right hand man? Is it you? It's Jesus. He is the Son of Man. He's the Son of Righteousness. And He will come with healing in His wings. He is the way. He is the right arm of the Gospel infusing your ministry. And notice what happens. Then we will, verse 18, then we will not turn back from you. Revive us and we will call upon your name. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Cause your face to shine and we shall be saved. Isn't that a powerful text? It is leading them right back to where? The Holy of Holies, where his face shines upon them. Grace be to you and peace from our God and Father Jesus Christ. May his face shine upon you. Cherubim were at the east of Eden, reminding us that Jesus is coming again. That sword reminds us of the healing of the medical missionary work. And it's to keep, that means to provide hope. Keep the way, pointing them to Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. What's the last phrase? I have something very delightful to share with you. What is the last phrase? To keep the way to what? Hello? This is dialogical, not monological. What? To keep the what? The way to the what? You're alive. I thought I'd lost you for a minute there. To keep the way to the what? Is that not beautiful? Yesterday, some of us were eating lunch together. And somehow, what I thought was delightful, we got on a conversation about what heaven would be like. And we were imagining all kinds of different things. Someone had recently read uh, Brother Foy. Was that the, the one that turned down the prophetic gift? William Foy, Hayes and Foss, there's two of them, Foy and Foss, it's one of the two, and there was this picture that he had, that Ellen, that same, very similar to Ellen White's picture, but there was this picture of those in heaven, the, the stars, the ministers, surrounded by all those that they had won. Do you want to be in heaven with all of your office staff? Would you like to see all your patients around you? Everyone says is perfectly happy with the size of their crown and their group. I mean, you're happy that you're there. How many are just going to be happy to be there? If it's just you and just you and where two or three are gathered, you're going to be standing. <laughs> right? Yeah. There's that picture. To keep the way to the tree of life. What, is the, what was the purpose of this farewell message? It was not a farewell message as see you later, but it was a message that could truly help them do what? Farewell. Do you want people to fare well in your practice? Now notice this. I told you I was going to show you something that is beautiful. Because when the right arm is reconnected here, 
We can't have eternal life here. Can we? It is appointed to man once to die, then the judgment. There is going to be death for most people. Right? And so we're not going to have this full reconnection to heaven, but we can have a little bit of a lot of it here. We can give hope of the total reconnection and notice what happens. Notice those that get to be on the front lines, not just of helping humanity, but... Reaching to heaven, notice this, give to Jesus your devotion where he is in the heavenly sanctuary. Notice how important that is, where he is in the heavenly sanctuary, because there's two different things. There's, there's, the, there's practices that have light and power, and then there's practices that have light, power, love, joy, and peace. You want to have the love, joy, and peace and the light and power, right? And when you, when you know where Jesus is, that's why she says that. Give to Jesus your devotion where he is in the heavenly sanctuary. Seek for the Holy Spirit as his representative wherever his people bow to worship him. It becomes to us to know Jesus by experimental knowledge as a personal Savior. We should be gathering up every ray of divine light from that powerful right arm with the sword, right? Not looking to old Jerusalem where Jesus was once, but to new Jerusalem where he is now. Let, then notice what she says next. If you're doing that, what are you really doing? Let us be gathering from the tree of life that God has planted leaves that will be for the healing of the nation. What does this mean? We may not be able to eat the fruit, but if we're connected to Jesus, if we have his sword in our practice, if the way, the truth, and the life is there, if we see our purpose as keeping the way, he allows us to reach our hand back in to the Garden of Eden and pick leaves from the tree of life. No one is saying amen for that? Amen. This does not interest you for your pharmacopoeia? How many think this would be a good addition to the pharmacological portion of your practice? I just came back and got a leaf from the tree of life. And I want you to apply it internally for the rest of your life. Not topically, internally. Not TID. Not BID, not Q7, but an everlasting divine dopamine drip from the tree of life. An internal pacemaker that fires as if it were your own. A new heart, a new life, a new power. A new strength. Uh, the right arm. Completely reconnected. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you see how beautiful this passage is? One more thing. Do I have time?
Romans chapter 16. Let's go there. Oh, my friends, it's a powerful passage. Here we are, Romans chapter 16. Yesterday I was so nervous. Mark Finley went to Romans. I said, oh, John, he's going to Romans. And he went to Romans 12. I said, praise God. (laughs) Hallelujah. He took away my Ezekiel 47 text. By the way, he didn't say what I was going to say. That text, Ezekiel 47, it has water flowing out. He covered all that nicely, but he didn't mention it's coming from the right side of the sanctuary. Can you say hallelujah? All right. Don't tell Mark I said that. Okay, Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. Let's look here. You remember Romans chapter 12 said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourself a living sacrifice, which is your acceptable service or your spiritual worship. You know, that was wonderful, wasn't it? But now let's look at the next beseech. Verse 17 of Romans chapter 16. Keep in mind something. Keep in mind that Eve didn't want to be naive. She wanted to know good and evil. Keep in mind that she wanted to... Do all these things. Keep in mind the story we just read as we read these verses. Romans chapter 16 and looking there at verse, well, let's start in verse 16. Start with a kiss. Greet one another with a a holy kiss. The churches of Christ greet you. Why does it say that? What's a holy kiss? Jesus betrayed the Lord with an unholy kiss. God wants people... I mean, I mean, Judas, rather, for the tape. Thank you, David. Whoo, man. Like I said, a collective effort, dialogical. Um, Judas betrayed Jesus with a what? An unholy kiss. But Jesus on the cross, justice and mercy kissed each other. The church of Christ need to be displaying the passionate love for God, consummated in that kiss. Let's go on. Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. We're talking about the severing of the right arm. That's a division, my friends. <laughs> that should never have been. God wants to bring it back together again. I know this is talking about more than that, but I'm just kind of applying it homiletically here. But now notice what it says, verse 16. I urge you, no, verse 17. Now I urge you, which is the same word as I beseech you. I urge you, brethren, Note those who cause divisions and offenses. Verse, six, verse 18. For those who do such do not serve, notice these carefully, do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own what? And by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. What was it that led Eve to fall? He said, this will be pleasing to your taste. It will be all these different things, and you'll be able to get high. Higher than you are. First drug pusher from the false pharmacopoeia. They serve their own belly. Do we live in a time where people are serving their own belly? Physically and spiritually. They serve their own belly and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. Now verse 19. For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. That's a reversal of what happened to who? And notice what it says, verse 20. And the God of what? Peace. Where do we get peace? By following Jesus where? Into the most holy place. Our practice can have light, 
power, love, joy, and peace. And the God of peace, or the God of the most holy place, the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Can you say hallelujah to that? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Adventist Medical Evangelism Network. Amen. Isn't that powerful? God's farewell sermon and my farewell devotional to you can be good news. It can be bad news. Or it can be good news. Depending on what you do with Jesus. Depending on what you do with the conviction of the Spirit that has come to you this weekend. Right? How many of you want it to be good news? My grandfather moved in with me when he was 86 years old. And I was proud and arrogant Unintelligent people usually are like that. And he moved in with me. And he showed me the love, peace, and joy of Christ. For his last three years, he treated me like the wife that had died. Every day he would fix me a meal. Every day he would ask me what had gone on at work at the emergency room that day. Every day he would ask me what I had learned in the seminary. And every time I learned something I shouldn't learn, or they were teaching me things he didn't think were right, he would say, and by the way, I'm not trying to indict the seminary, he that hasn't here, let him hear. And every time he thought something was out of balance, he would say, get me volume five. Read page such and such. He was developing organic brain syndrome a bit, but he could remember all of those things. I believe the Holy Spirit was doing it for me. Through him, he was the right arm. And he was used by God. One day in my arrogance in the backyard, there was a tree that was right there, little tree like this, a nice flowering tree. Oh, I had to mow around the thing each time. I just hated that tree. I didn't see the flowers on it. I didn't see the reason it should be there. And so I took my little hatchet and I laid waste to it with my powerful unconverted right arm. grandfather got up in his bathroom and he walked out and he goes, oh no! Where's the tree? I said, grandfather, I cut the tree down. I was sick of mowing around it. He said, you cut my tree down? He began to cry. I thought, this is organic syndrome. 
And I cruelly said, it doesn't matter. And he looked at me and he goes, that was so unkind. He never said stuff like that usually. And he went back into his bedroom and I could hear him sobbing. I was so calloused at that time that it didn't really shake me. I came back from work the next morning. I worked nights. And I noticed that the tree I had cut down was no longer in the trash by the road. And I said, I wonder where that tree is. But I went to bed. And I got up later. And I went out back. And the tree was standing up again. <laughs> it had all of this pitch stuff around it. It had a couple wires. And the tree was back there. And I said, look, at this guy is really going loony. He thinks he's going to resurrect the tree. He thinks he's going to reconnect that tree. I said to him, Grandfather, I said, what are you doing? He said, I am praying for the tree. He was in his room praying for the tree. I said, Grandfather, now there's wires there and I can't even mow as well as I could before. <laughs> he looked at me with his steely eyes and he said, Do not touch the tree. <laughs> this was righteous, holy indignation. And I saw strength there that alerted me to the fact that perhaps he knew karate. <laughs> so I did not touch the tree. I went out the next day, and the leaves were withering. And the next day, they were some of them falling off. This is amazing, but Grandfather said, don't worry about it. You know what happened to that tree? I don't remember how much later it was, but I started to see a little green thing coming where the leaves had used to be. Grandfather had done these graphs and stuff. He had one tree in Walla Walla that had different fruits all over it. He said it was his little tree of life. And he knew how to take care of these plants. I don't think what he did physically is what healed the tree. I think God wanted me to see that <laughs> he was with grandfather and he was not with me and I believe God healed the tree grandfather came in the next day and he goes how do you like the tree <laughs> see those leaves he was proud of that tree to the day he died and every time I go back to that place I look for the tree and I look at the place where it was healed and I look at that, and I realize in looking at that, that that was where partially I was healed. When we get to heaven, the only reminder we'll have of this earth is the nail prints in his hands. And as he holds them out, we'll remember that tree that he, that he hung upon, the master physician who we cut down, the master physician who the devil said would never rise again.
I want to be there. Do you want to be there? I want to be in a place where not only can the right arm be revisited, not only can the right arm be resurrected, but the right arm will be eternally reconnected. So we pray together. Father in heaven, today I just thank you. Lord, I thank you for doing a miracle in my life for the good of this people. In spite of me, you have spoken to us. Thank you for that. I praise you for that. I give you all the glory, all the honor, all the power. Oh, Lord, give us that experience that you've described there. That we can reach in and pick leaves from the tree of life. And we thank you. Fill us with love. Fill us with joy. Fill us with peace. Amen and amen.